Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang and Bianca Leger. On this podcast, we'll introduce you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to uplift, inspire, and empower you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. All right, we are live, and I'm very excited to introduce you all to today's guest, a returning guest, his third appearance on this podcast. On today's episode, alongside co-host Bianca Leger, we interview a legendary fitness trainer, physical educator, Brazilian jiu-jitsu pioneer, the first American-born Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under Helson Gracie, and multiple-time Joe Rogan guest. He's a six-degree back belt, and he'll be back teaching around the world with his next week-long seminar being um, his Jiu-Jitsu for Lifetime training camp at Icaria Grace this upcoming July 23rd. Welcome back to the Winner Circle, Steve Maxwell. <laughs> Very much. I appreciate you guys having me on your fine podcast. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I'm so excited to hear what's new what's latest with you Steve and the first question will offer us opportunity to to get a glimpse and that is Steve Maxwell what do you love about your world at this moment right here right now I'm living in nature right now I live on the tip of the Olympic Peninsula in the eastern part in a little area called Jefferson County near a town called Port Townsend so I'm surrounded by beauty and nature uh, I, uh, there's a herd of deer out my yard right now. And, uh, I, I, I train these little Douglas squirrels to come up to my house and they eat out of my hand. Squirrels are very smart. If there was any such thing as a North American monkey, the squirrels come closest to it. That's how intelligent they are. And, uh, this particular squirrel is called the Douglas squirrel. And uh, they are just the sassiest little guys. Very fun, <laughs> very vocal. And I've befriended like like three of them. And they actually come in my house, eat out of my hand. Took me a while to win their trust. But, you know, yesterday I had mallards with a whole bunch of little baby ducklings. Um, I have two raccoons I call baby girl and little boy who uh, come up and take food out of my hand. Um, you know, kind of like, like St. Francis of Assisi. <laughs> I, I got this communication going with these little guys. This all started with the pandemic. You know, I had been yeah. a digital nomad for a better part of almost 14 years, really, traveling from place to place, no home base, basically no safety net. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was living out of one bag, so I was minimalist. And, um, I got word that there was going to be some kind of big kerfuffle mm. from my astrologer. I've been roundly made fun of about this astrology thing. You know, Joe Rogan really put me through the ringer on that one. Man. He was a skeptic, but this mm-hmm. guy's all pretty good info. So I knew it was time to pull off the road. He said, look, you don't want to be traveling during this thing. It's going to be a lot of restrictions. I don't know exactly what's happening, but it's going to be a big deal. So I bought a tiny house 
I actually have a house now. It's a little tiny house. It's not very big. Um, you know, a little sleeping loft is about uh, eight by 22. It kind of looks like a, a, a big gypsy wagon. Some mm -hmm, wheels. Mm -hmm. So classic yeah. RV. So anyway, I, I actually have a home for the first time in about 14 years. Yeah, so you got off the, very got off the road. Mm. Yeah, you got off the road late February, I think, early March. And so it's been about two and a half years that you've been living in Port Towns in Washington after being a digital nomad for, like you said, almost 14 years. So I'm super curious, Steve, um, what did you have you learned about yourself in these last 2.5 years, settling down in Port Towns in Washington, living in that tiny home? After being on the road, traveling the world for 14 years, what did you learn about yourself? And also, what did you learn about the world? I like a home. <laughs> I actually do. Towards the end of that journey, uh, I started getting a little bit burnt out. I was getting tired, you know. It was tiresome. And uh, I really yearned for someplace like a home base, you know. It doesn't mean I, I still don't get the travel bug. But I definitely needed a home base, and I just needed to settle down. You know, flying is very hard in the body. You're just in like one big electromagnetic field, and I don't know whether you've read about the negative effects of EMF, but it's, you know, it can be pronounced in the body. Oh yeah. Not to For mention sure. other forms of pollution. So, yeah, I learned that I really do enjoy a home. You know, even a humble little house. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what did you learn about the world these last 2.5 years steve people are more alike than they're different people just want a good life you know and uh it really the the the, the problems of the world are almost always caused by our so-called leaders <laughs> mm -hmm. i don't want to get too political on the on, on your show yeah you know mm -hmm. i'll stick i know i'm a fitness guy but, you know, if it was up to the people, we would all probably get along pretty well. But, yeah, you know, man, you know, uh, 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 so, some of the things I've seen, erosion of people's personal rights, you know, it's amazing to me mm -hmm. what's been going on. So, so what can we do? What can we do as individuals, Steve, to get along better? With one of well, the only thing you can really do, in my opinion, now this is my opinion, so um, to really make the world a better place is to yes. be the best person you can be. Because then if you're radiating goodness and radiating love, you affect everyone around you and it has a ripple effect, you know? Mm -hmm. like Absolutely. A rock in a pond and, you know? So, you, you know, Activism, protests, and you know, certainly these destructive protests and trying to tear things down and burn things up, that never has a good consequence. It only causes resentment and anger. And, you know, ne negativity never makes positivity. Doing something mm -hmm. negative will not bring ever a positive result. So um, I, I think by developing yourself, spiritually and physically you have the the greatest impact because everyone you meet you'll be like an ambassador for goodness mm -hmm. so i'm 
we, many people follow you and they, they're very familiar with how you take care of yourself physically and how you develop with yourself physically. Um, what I'm most curious about is to hear more about how you develop yourself spiritually and where did that journey get started and what does that well, look like to, today? Uh, um, you absolutely need to meditate every day in some form. It doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to sit in a cross-legged yogi position and do it, you know. Yeah. But you, you definitely need some time away from your, your constant barrage of thoughts going through your mind. You know, thoughts are not necessarily of your own, you know. Thoughts pass into your mind through the collective, the collective being like the world at large. And these thoughts are passing around. And, you know, the thoughts that you project, you know, are going into other people's minds too. And you need to shut off that noisy mind. And I do it through breathing, through breath work. I have mm -hmm. one um, exercise that I really like a lot. It's called the pulling down exercise. Very ancient. I can do this yeah. when driving, when walking, uh, even when I'm doing like a, like a meditative uh, jog, you know, like a mm -hmm. light, slow run. And basically, you imagine a, a, a hole in the top of your head and a hole in the bottom of your feet. And as you inhale through your lower lungs into the upper lungs, when you exhale, you pull, you actively pull energy down through your entire body and out the bottom of your feet. A good, uh, it's really good to practice in the beginning lying down in bed. You can imagine like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but as a kid, I can remember laying in a fast moving stream with my mm -hmm. feet laying on my back and the water rushing down over my body. <laughs> you kind of visualize that. Another one is like, uh, I've stood under waterfall where the water pours on my head and down my body. So it begins yeah. to kind of get that feeling. You can kind of do this pulling down exercise and you basically energize every cell in your body. And, you know, you can... Um, you don't need to make fancy affirmations or anything because that kind of takes away from it. But sometimes I'll just say love or more God, more God, whatever God is to you. You know, I, I don't mm -hmm. see God like, a, you know, a Santa Claus up in heaven, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's whatever higher power More love. Or just a simple statement. And you inhale in four, pause for two pull down the six or seven and if i'm walking, walking i make sure it's an uneven number so that i'm not always inhaling on my left foot mm -hmm. I, okay the inhale is some uh on left foot then the next inhale is the right foot so you don't become one-sided with your breath work mm, powerful but, maybe and i'll keep that up for a while and man i can't tell you how relaxed and recharged you feel afterwards. Mm -hmm. So this you is last, this is active meditation. Yeah, no, that sounds powerful. Last conversation we had, you guided us through a cone of light visualization at the end. So if we have time, maybe you could guide us through a pulling down at the end of this conversation. Sure. Okay, so um, you're now getting back on the road, and you have a week-long jujitsu for lifetime camp coming up in one of your favorite places in the world. Icaria Grace, 
uh, Greece. Um, what can students expect to learn here? And what do you love so much about that island? Uh, it's, a, it's relatively undeveloped compared to a lot of the Aegean islands. Um, it gets a share of tourists, but discerning tourists, because there's no big fancy five-star hotels at all. Uh, the big hotel chains aren't able to build there because it's so rocky and hilly and, you know, and it's, it's still a very simple way of life for these people. They, they, they live like they did, you know, you know, for thousands of years, really. Mm -hmm. You know, they had their own home gardens. A lot of them keep herds of uh, goats. You know, they're somewhat self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're one of the blue zones. Do you know anything about the blue zone? No, not much. A blue zone is an area where a, a large portion of the population lived to be over 100 years old. Okay. And Villa Cabamba, Ecuador, uh, Ikaria, Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia. Uh, there's a place in, uh, I think, Kazakhstan, a place in Georgia. Uh, there's these little uh, Loma Linda, California. They have, they're known for centenarians. And these older people uh, are, you know, pretty healthy. They're not like in wheelchairs and, you know, uh, walkers and old folks on, you know, they're active, they're active people. And a lot of people come because of that, because they're interested in studying. Like, why do these people live so long? Of course, they always try to package it, you know? Oh, it's the special honey that they grow there or it's the herbs or the tea. No, it's none of those things. It's like a total package. But um, yeah, I like it because it, it's just a real chill place. I mean, mm -hmm. really calming, relaxing. I went there every year for eight years uh, before the pandemic. So yeah. then I was too, so it'll be like kind of returning home. I, I usually stay there for a month or so. Mm -hmm. And uh, you asked what people will learn at the training camp? Yeah, what can they expect to learn? Real, real big, uh, I, I'm very big on the basics of uh, BJJ. I don't even like to use the word BJJ because BJJ is a sport. I teach Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And the difference between Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the emphasis on self-defense and the teaching style, the way it's taught. There's mm -hmm. a educational system to Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Yes. Uh, you know, probably the, the, the most famous uh, practitioner would be Hicks and Gracie. Yeah. Yep. He's revered as probably the greatest uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, practitioner ever. <clears throat> and for good reason. I mean, the guy was a phenom. And all his brothers are phenomenal. And they, uh, they're they all great teachers. And I, I studied with Grandmaster Elliot Gracie when he was alive, had a lot of dealings with him. And his oldest son, Horian, and of course, Hoist Gracie and I were uh, pretty close at one point, and his brother, Helson. So I've had a chance to, to train with all these guys. And mm -hmm. in Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, you always go back to the basic, basic, basic. And the um, one thing that I do that's a little bit different is I make, uh, I teach people movement patterns because if you can't move, you can't do jujitsu. 
Yeah. You know, and a lot of people, they, a lot of teachers, they try to teach sophisticated movement, you know, like techniques, but it's built on a poor movement base. So you can't, it's really hard to teach somebody how to do, you know, a particular throw or technique if they're afraid of falling. Yeah. It's really hard to teach someone how to do a arm walk from the mounted position or from the guard if they're stiff and they don't have basic movement pattern. You know, how do you teach someone how to, to escape from various positions if they can't move? So I spend some time and I've identified, you know, like six essential movement patterns to be. What are they? Uh, BJJ. Well, kind of hard to describe. But it would be like a bridge and roll, sit out and turn in. Um, okay. It would be a leg thread, which it's hard to describe here. Uh, mm -hmm. A leg scissors, uh, a thing I call the swoop, and uh, standing up in base. Uh, okay. And forward roll, backward roll, uh, over the shoulder, not a gymnastic roll. Yes. I'm a lot big on teaching falling. You know, if you yeah. have a fear of falling, it's hard to do a combat sport. Now, BJJ is famous for, in the sport, of people just grabbing and sitting down. Some yeah. people um, use a disparaging word calling it butt scooting. You know? oh, yeah. And what, what's happened is uh, modern sport BJJ is pretty much useless for any kind of realistic street self-defense. But Gracie Jiu-Jitsu still retains the original stand-up self-defense how to block punches, kicks, how to defend against a stick over your head, how to defend against a gun in your face, you know, uh, basic knife defenses. What happens if uh, you're in a bar and someone grabs you in a bear hug or grabs you in a choke from behind? Well, there's escapes from all that. Some guy comes up and, you know, tries to kick you. Well, there's ways that you can easily throw him to the ground if you know what you're doing. So the, these are essential movement patterns that we retain in Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Mm -hmm. So that's what, people, that's what people can expect to learn. Yeah, no, that's exciting. They're going to be very lucky to have your wisdom shared with them once again in in-person seminar. So talking about self-defense, um, myself, uh, I'm excited to tell you this information, Steve, since we last chatted over a year ago on your episode 60, I've since gotten my Jiu-Jitsu black belt. And I've recently just started teaching a new MMA jiu-jitsu program at um, the city's top kickboxing gym. They're now incorporating um, jiu-jitsu, grappling, wrestling. So they brought my coach in to run the adult program, and I'm running the youth and the children's program. Um, so I'm very excited about that. It's a huge celebration um, for me. That's wonderful, man. Are you, te are you teaching uh, jiu-jitsu self-defense or are you teaching uh, boxing or kickboxing? Um, jiu-jitsu self-defense it's it's that's um jiu-jitsu grappling self-defense it's all to really um help the students be bullyproof and then first and foremost get those fundamental movements like you said how to move how to protect oneself how to develop a great defense because once i feel once the students are comfortable with defensive being able to stay safe get up run away whenever they wish then they can mount an offense and i can teach them the offense but i think the an important part for all beginners is just learning how to stay safe um, no matter where they are and be able to get up and leave whenever they wish 
Are you using the Gracie uh, bullyproof uh, uh, program as your template, or I'm 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 incorporating that into just my various teachers? But yeah, it's definitely a huge influence on. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, good. Because you know, no sense reinventing the wheel because they exactly. You know. Yes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The problem with modern MMA for self-defense is what if you get a bigger, stronger guy? You know, it's hard to duke it out with somebody. I mean, even if your punches are pretty good and your kicks are pretty strong, um, you know, if the guy's really big, you're going to get pounded. Yeah. Or you're going to go to jail. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you're going mm -hmm. to go to prison or you're going to be sued. A lot of people yeah. forget that. you can't do MMA in the street. Real fights aren't like, hey man, you know, like, like, like a match. MMA yeah. is relatively useless for self-defense as well. Mm -hmm. One of the main reasons because they wear those gloves. Yeah. No one fights with gloves in the street. You take those gloves off, man. You you're gonna bust your hand, unless you're really used to bare knuckle boxing. So the idea that I can do kickboxing MMA and have a good stand-up self-defense is not necessarily true. Not yeah, really. I agree. And then also, you know, surprise attacks. Not every attack comes in the form of someone challenging you to a fight. A lot yeah. of times, you know, you'll suddenly be grabbed from uh, behind or from, from the side. You'll find yourself in a clinch or in a chokehold or a bear hug or someone tackling you and that's where Gracie Jiu-Jitsu shines. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All those problems. Yeah, and with my curriculum that I'm putting together, like it's finished a month now, so it's a brand new program. It's very exciting because I get to create this. I wish I'm using a lot of your influence, the things I've learned from you through just listening to your podcast, through your amazing videos on your website at stevemaxwellsc.com, which I've bought pretty much all of them. Um, so we're doing basic self-defense, things like takedowns. So teaching them the basic judo throws, teaching them the basic wrestling takedowns, um, those fundamental movements that you said. And yeah, we're not using gloves for at least for the first year, at least um, the fundamentals are, are, are key. Um, do you have any other advice for me regarding starting up this program? What are the most important foundations I should instill um, with these beginner students? Um, seven to 14 well you know they don't have much the seven-year-olds through 10 have very limited uh, concentration mm -hmm. and see with modern kids you know they half of them suffer from uh, you know attention deficit disorder yes ADHD. they can't they can't concentrate you know it's all the sugar and the poor modern uh diet the refined mm -hmm. sugar the flowers and the fast food industry has really destroyed a lot of children's health. And, uh, a lot, you know, a lot of folks just don't know better. <clears throat> so, you know, you have your hands full. So what I found with kids' classes in particular, have a good mm -hmm. game. The okay. game is what they're for. Because a lot of them are there kind of like they don't even care about jujitsu that much. They're there because their parents want them there, you know? Yeah. And uh, so... If you have a really fun game for them to play and they live for those games, if, yeah. if you teach a one stand-up technique and one ground technique in a class, you've done quite well. And you okay. shouldn't do more than five minutes 
of any one thing or you'll lose it. Okay, that's great advice. But a lot of competitive type games, you know, not just soccer or something. I mean, do something that, you know, like uh, sumo wrestling, pushing someone out of a circle. You know that game? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great idea. If that's part of the ball uh, other than their feet or their hand, yeah, they're out. Or if they push them or pull them out of the circle, kids love that one, man. You know, Indian wrestling, uh, where you hold the hand and your foot is together and you try to make the guy take a step. Okay. You know, standing in front of each other with your hands on, you know, like I'm directly in front of you and our hands are together. And when you start to move to try to make the guy take a step, great. Okay, yeah. I do this with adults. Adults love these games, man. Oh, yeah. It, it develops a sense, a kinesthetic awareness, uh, softness. As you know, jujitsu is supposed to be soft. And, you know, it's all about moving yourself, not the person. Yeah. Anyone that's trying to move their opponent and, 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 uh, and force their will on the opponent is going the wrong direction. Judo and jujitsu means soft, gentle. You, you give with, with, with force. And these games, if you get too tense or try to get too muscly, uh, you'll lose. So, you know, teaching from an early age, you know, these developmental type games, combative games, is really fun. And, and another um, fun one is uh, fox and geese. You have all the okay. kids on the mat, one fox in the middle, and when they run from one end of the mat to the other, and uh, yeah. you have to circle and hold on, teaches clinching, and then whoever gets caught becomes a fox. And now <laughs> two foxes. And then they run down and they'll catch someone, there'll be three. And you keep going yeah. until one kid left. But what they don't realize is they're doing interval training, high intensity. Oh, yeah. They're doing sprint. Yeah, those are and also course, really great ideas. Kids love animal crawls, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. They're real little ones, you know? The bigger kids, you know, they get too proud. You know, they think they're, but yeah, bear crawls, dragon crawls, um, you know, shrimping uh shrimping backwards feet first you know crab crawl backward crab crawl frog hops uh you know commando crawls crawling with your hands behind your back try that one sometime try try crawling backwards feet first on your stomach with your hands behind your back not as easy as you would think quite a workout too you know getting up and down off the floor not using your hands yeah yeah, basic, basic fundamental. But, but not, not falling either, you know? You have to yeah, do that. Yeah. Control, control. Adults many times cannot do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, no, this is all exciting. I'm excited to try all this in class. Um, one, and, and a follow-up question with this is, and something you've been very successful with yourself, is taking a child to professional capacity. And you've done that with your son, Zach. And you've also done that with your daughter, Savannah, in terms of she's a very successful CrossFitter now. So how do we take a child and mold them into a competent athlete um, and one day a professional? Don't push them. Let them be kids. Don't get into, you know, we call it the little league syndrome here in the States, where parents live vicariously through their child's success. Maybe they were a frustrated athlete and they pushed their kids. You see it, you know, the little league syndrome. 
people screaming at the umpire, you know, during little league games or, you know, football dads that are giving the coach a hard time. I mean, it, you know, it's really crazy, but it's pretty pernicious. You know, I'm sure, you know, soccer dads and soccer moms, you know, giving referees a hard time. And uh, I saw that a lot of Naga tournaments, you know, where parents were just awful to their kids, you know, for losing. I mean, you should never push a kid. You want the kid to enjoy it. Have fun with it. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's very, very important to let the kid mm -hmm. be kid and play. A lot of play time. Kids should be playing, you know. Yeah. And Another. Yeah. I mean, you can't really get too serious about jujitsu. Oh. And don't have the kids compete too early. Too much okay. pressure. I, I don't I don't like these little kid tournaments. I, I think, you know, when a kid has to be a teenager and he wants to compete, let him compete. Yeah. I, the no, mistake that's great. pushing my son a little bit too early. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Another common coaching error, something we briefly talked about last time we talked, but I'd like to bring up again, and this applies to teaching uh, adults and, and, and children and youth, so I think it's just a great reminder for everyone listening. And that common coaching error that you brought up was the coaches only addressing the best students in the room. How can we avoid that? And um, yeah, how can we be a better teacher, whether they be adults or students, and teach everyone, whether well, just, they are star just athletes? Equal time, you know, just, you know, the, 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 uh, I, I, I do understand the temptation to work with the, the real eager uh, elite level kids. You know, mm -hmm. because they are good at it and because they have a knack for it, it's real easy to spend your time with those kids. But yeah. it's very important to give time to the worst kid in the room, even a little extra time. Now, when you're by yourself teaching, it's not easy to yeah. divide time equally, but fight the temptation to work with only the best kids. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's a hard yeah, one. Yeah, it is because you know you want you want you you want to see the fruits of your labor. You want the kids to yes. get the move. You want them to be good. You know. So make sure that even the worst kid is getting your individual attention, and you know that takes a lot of discipline on the teacher's part. And mm -hmm. uh, it, I would recommend highly that you get someone to assist you. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. In most classes, I have different teammates step in and they can practice yeah, no, their you need, You know, and everyone needs to get equal attention. You know, especially the, the people that really need the attention, the kids that are really struggling with it. But, you know, shockingly, sometimes they end up being the best ones, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just take so, some time. And don't push them. Don't push kids to compete too early. You'll have some kids eager for it, but kids that aren't, don't push them. It's, it's not a good idea. You'll just burn them out or make them hate it. Yeah. And you got to keep it fun. You got to keep it really fun. Not too much time drilling. Not for real little kids. Older kids, yeah. By the time they're a teenager, you can start almost teaching like an adult. Yeah. But, you know, with the little kids, you got to let them and make it a playtime. Make it fun, man. Half the yeah. time, there should be some kind of fun little competitive game that they really enjoy you know yeah this excellent reminders i thank you so much for this steve um let's get back into um training jujitsu for a lifetime 
Um, I believe you're 60, 68 now, or how old are you? Nine. I'll be 70 this year, uh, December. Six, 70 69. Years, uh, just a few years months away from my 70th birthday <laughs> wow that's so amazing and you're still training strong training with the young bucks but you're doing it safe and one way you attend to your training jujitsu for your lifetime is you attend to your daily mobility you attend to your strength training and you train attend to your flexibility those are some fundamentals that keep you spry and youthful at your young age of 69 um so let's talk about that what is your it gets hard over the years too you, oh, you do yeah. see like little drops but it's more subtle it's so, more subtle let's talk about that let's talk about your daily mobility your your strength training and flexibility what do those routines look like for you today it's changed a little bit over the years i started incorporating more energetic work so mm -hmm. uh, i i do um mm -hmm. patterns uh these more energetic movement patterns. Um, yeah, I don't know whether you know, but I got very interested in Russian Sistema. Yeah. The system. And I practice a lot of Sistema uh, type movements that I learned, mobility movements. And mm -hmm. uh, Sistema kind of has, um, it, it's a love-hate that people have, whether a lot of people think it's just a lot of nonsense. And there's other people that swear by it. Uh, I personally think it's, really good it's fantastic it's a it's a soft form of martial arts and the movement patterns that they teach in sistema are fantastic and i'll mm -hmm. tell you well with uh with uh, gracie jujitsu not imposing your will but i yeah i my mobility changes you know over the over the decades yeah. but uh, every single morning i'll do some type of uh, mobility and it differs from stretching in that it's all movement and I'm not holding uh, stretches. Although I yeah. do stay stretched, I do. But okay, static stretches. at the end of a workout. And it's not like, you know, hours, it, it just basic, um, basic flexibility. I mean, how flexible do you need to be? You know, mm -hmm. you don't need proportionist, you know, you don't need to do splits, you don't need to do back bends and all that kind of stuff it's, it's unnecessary yeah. mm -hmm. sometimes that could even be detrimental i remember you talking about in the past so over flexible people can usually um be like often the most injured people and a lot of times people injure themselves doing the flexibility training without even realizing it you know it's like a uh, slow erosion of joint health over time mm -hmm. yeah you know, one day they'll be doing something and bang they'll just get the injury not realizing that they had been building this injury for a really long time. The same thing happens with uh, the way people lift weight, you know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people lift in a dangerous, sloppy form, sloppy manner, uh, emphasizing the amount of weight over form and technique. And they just basically erode joint health to the point where, uh, you know, one day they'll be doing something on the mat or maybe playing soccer or football and a knee will go out or an ankle or a foot or their back. And they don't realize that this had this injury had been building for months in the weight room or with poor stretching technique. And they were just slowly eroding their joint health over time with these poor exercise techniques. 
Mm -hmm. All the people that should be considered, um, I mean, really uh, worried or concerned about the amount of weight that they're lifting or weight lifters. If you're a competitive weightlifter, obviously that's your game. But for anyone else, you can get a fantastic workout without overemphasizing huge heavy weight or mm -hmm. you know, single reps or you know triple reps or whatever. Yeah, and making light weights feel heavy with slower movement or even static oh. isometrics. Yeah, isometric, slow movement training. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be super slow, which is a, a, a an actual uh, super slow is a a, a a system where you do ten second uh, positive, ten second negative. It works yeah. great, but I mean, you don't have to go that slow. Some people don't like it, uh, but it does work. But, yeah, you know. The main thing is that you're not explosively throwing weight around. And this idea that you need explosive movement to be explosive, that's not true. Not at all. Mm -hmm. You just damage your joint. Explosivity yeah. in movement, let's say a takedown or a throw, is very specific movement pattern. Moving weights fast and explosive will not make other movements faster. It will not. Yeah. Strength, will, strength will. To be explosive in a judo throw or a wrestling takedown you got to practice the specific takedown the specific throw in the yep. specific way that you would do it in competition so you got to be careful sometimes using rubber bands for throws or uh, even dummies it's not the same thing as throwing a human being no you'd be off so actually having a real live human and have a crash pad so they don't have to take too many break balls <laughs> and throw them on a crash pad over and over and over to get your throws down or your, or, or your takedowns. And you can mm -hmm. do them even slow-mo to get the movement pattern and then gradually speed up. But it's all about movement patterns and getting your nervous system really, really efficient. But you do not need explosive resistance training. It, you yeah. don't. And it, 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 it just erodes joint health over time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is that the same with cardio training? The best cardio for jujitsu is jujitsu, not absolutely. Not hey, look, I, I, I've had you know in my in, during my career when I was really competing a lot, uh, I had a number of injuries. Uh, you know, the the more intense you start to train, the greater your the possibility of getting hurt. And uh, during that time, I would do tons of cardio work. And when I go back to the mat, I'd still be winded. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I realized there's, there's a small transfer, but it's pretty minimal. So don't beat yourself up with a lot of cardio. If, you, if your goal is to uh, do uh, jujitsu, it's unnecessary. Yeah. And it really doesn't transfer that much. It really, truly doesn't. The closest thing I found to transfer uh, yeah. was crawling, you know, various crawling patterns. Yeah, Spider yeah, yeah. Crawls, uh, bear crawls, you know, that type of stuff. And they don't even have to be all that fast. It, but you're yeah. doing, you know, like whole body movement, getting up and down off the floor, that, that will keep you as in good a shape for jujitsu when you can't do jujitsu. I mean, nothing beats actually going and grappling, you know, nothing. Yeah. And obviously, you got a strength train. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, I have two questions, and so I'll, I'll do the first one about cardio first. And that's, what about swimming, Steve? That's something that I've been getting into the last like couple of years um, during this pandemic. 
and I'm using it as a recreation and, and just kind of an active recovery. And I feel it's complemented my jiu-jitsu and grappling because my body goes kind of into fight or flight mode. When you put your head into water, the body's not used to putting the head in water. So it's, I'm using swimming just as an active recovery and to calm my nervous system. But I heard you on a recent podcast and you said um, you were not a fan of swimming because of repetitive injuries. So yeah, I'm just curious. I've not heard you talk about swimming before other than that quick snippet on a, a past conversation. So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on swimming as a recreation and as a well, activity. Getting good at swimming requires technique. Yeah. And the more, te- the more technical and skilled you get at swimming, the easier it becomes. Yeah. So then you become incredibly efficient in the water. None yeah. of the things transfer to jujitsu. A skill in one activity does not transfer to another activity. It's very specific. It's called specificity of training. Now, that's not to say that nothing transfers. It does. There is some cardiovascular benefits mm-hmm. to swimming. Uh, it certainly feels good. And as long as you don't get carried away, you know, like swimming like a competitive swimmer, yeah, you will get some crossover benefit, but it's pretty minimal. It's pretty mm-hmm. minimal. And, mm-hmm. you know, do the swimming because you enjoy the swimming. Yeah, I do. Do it because it feels good and you like it. But don't do it with the idea that you're going to improve jujitsu. Do it as an activity unto itself. If you really mm-hmm. want to get good at jujitsu, or martial arts, you got to practice those. And there's yeah. no other substitute. Now, there are ways that you can condition yourself that are somewhat close. You know, for example, just doing crawling patterns on the mat, you know, every kind of movement you can think of, just learning yeah. to move it. That's good stuff, man. That, that, mm-hmm. th- there's a pretty close transfer to a lot of that. And of course, strength training transfers into everything. Yeah. When I'm talking about strength training, I'm not talking about Olympic lifting. I'm not talking about swinging heavy kettlebells. I'm, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, uh, power lifting or explosive lifting. I'm, I'm talking about general strength training. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so what does your general strength training look like for you today, Steve? Your Four personal. Push-pull, uh, uh, push horizontal and vertical. Push-pull. Um, yeah, like so, like overhead press, some kind yeah. of chin, um, chin up or pull up, uh, some type of push up or dip, and some type of rub that covers your whole upper body. If I have a specific area that I need to work on, maybe I have like a little tweak in my shoulder, I might do some supplementary um, shoulder work for the area that's bugging me. Uh, yeah. I, all, I always work my hips usually some form of deadlift or um, 45 degree back extension and always some kind of squat some type of squat Uh, I'm pretty limited because I I use primarily uh, body weight and then I do ancillary movement patterns I do my feet and calves are very important and equally important to calves are your shins a lot of people neglect the front of their shin you use them all the time in in jiu-jitsu you know with the hooks use your feet a lot so my, yeah. my feet feet calves and ankles get quite a workout including shin uh neck you gotta work your neck if you don't have a really good neck machine uh isometrics work great for neck 
but make sure that you stretch your neck too. Isometrics yes. can if you're not careful. And then you need to work your abdominals, but you don't need excessive ab work. You know, planking, uh, uh, crunches. I like the ab mat. You know, it's like a little curve pattern in your back where you slow curl up and down. And you don't need to do multiple sets. You know, I I use somewhere between 60 and 90 seconds of really hard work to to momentary failure. And if you're doing a lot of BJJ, you don't even need to train more than once a week with the strength training. So many guys try to lift like bodybuilders or power lifters, and boy, do they get burned out. And you'll find these guys are hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. So for a non-martial artist like Bianca, um, what are the basic self-defense things she needs to know? Like what, what does just a general civilian, a non-martial artist, what do they need to be aware of and how can they learn this? And yeah, for someone not wanting to invest in training martial arts regularly, this becoming their recreation, this their hobby, their primary physical activity, what can just a general person do to stay safe, um, bullyproof on the street? Being 100% aware of your surroundings at all times. Awareness. Mm-hmm. You need to know what's in front of you, what's behind you, what's beside you. Mm-hmm. Without this awareness, you have no chance at number two, which is avoidance. You cross the street. Mm-hmm. You go in the opposite direction if someone's following you. So when you have good awareness and avoidance, then you will probably get rid of 99% of most problems before they start. What you don't Mm -hmm. want, get into the conflict. And then the the third A, you know, the, the awareness, avoidance, and then action. And the action could be as simple as running as fast as you can. For that reason, don't wear high heels in the street. Wear flats. You know, if you have to wear high heels at work, put them on at work. But don't walk around the street with non-functional shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, and just get really good at having eyes in the back of your head. And if you start to feel like something doesn't feel right, it probably is. So trust mm-hmm. you. And do not walk around texting or on your phone. Do not use your phone in the streets or in parking garages. And if you do put your car in a parking garage, best to be escorted to your car. And you really, by the time you're in a conflict where someone's attacking you, you already messed up. You've already made a whole bunch of mistakes. You missed all the signposts. Mm -hmm. Unless there's someone stalking you and he's sneaking up on you, you know? But for that, for that matter, you know, this constant 360 degree awareness. Don't be afraid to, if, if, you, if you feel like you're being followed, don't be afraid to wheel around and look or suddenly change and cross the street. You want to mm-hmm. avoid. You do not. If you get, one, by the time you're in a conflict, you already messed up. You've already missed all the signposts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. if, if you're in a restaurant or a, a, a public place, and some sketchy people come in there, do not be afraid to get up and just leave, even if it's in the middle of a meal. Yeah. You know, trust yeah. your intuition and your instinct. You, you, you know, usually uh, 
your 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 basic instincts and feelings. Um, a lot of people just think they're being paranoid. No, not necessarily. You, you okay. start to get a fixed sense. So uh, really, it, it's all about the avoidance. By the time you're yeah. actually in physical confrontation, you done you messed up big time. You got screwed mm -hmm. up. It's all mm -hmm. the signposts. Yeah, those are some great advice. Yeah. Um, one one thing that um, you're big on these days is qigong. You said, and qi means energy, and um, the term gong means work. So this translates to energy work. So this gives us opportunity to talk about energy. And I think Bianca has some questions for you about energy. <laughs> okay. Well, I listened to the previous podcast you did on uh, with Derek. And um, at one point you were talking about the connection between emotion and the body. I was wondering how that translates this, uh, this awareness that emotion gets stuck in the body. And, and just for example, you're talking about sometimes like you feel a little something in your shoulder or like a part of your body's bugging you and then you start paying attention to it. Mm, how do you use energy work and how, how have you practice this ability to master the energy within the body so that we actually have a good energy flow? Well, the, the pulling down exercise that I, I talked about at the beginning yeah. of the show, very, very good one. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's been for a long time where you're literally pulling energy from the earth down through the body, out the bottoms of the feet. You get yeah. this going. Um, there's other ones. Uh, we don't have enough time to get into specifics. But I would recommend reading a book by Louise Hay. Mm -hmm. And she wrote a whole bunch of books on body-mind and the connection between negative emotions and body, body aches and pains. Mm -hmm. Basically, negative thoughts create negative situations in the body. Yeah. And each body part is a symbol of a particular negativity. For example, uh, a neck that bothers you all the time a stiff neck, uh, pain in the neck, it usually is the result of fear, fear of new ideas, fear mm -hmm. of change, reluctance to change, being stuck in one way, you know? Shoulder, mm -hmm. um, for example, are symbolic of usually um, being weighted down with your responsibilities or carrying responsibility that might not even be yours you know mm -hmm. carrying the weight of the world you know all these things influence mm -hmm. the body and each body part is symbolic of what's going what what's imbalanced in your life so mm -hmm. it's like your higher mind telling you what you need to do through these aches and pains and so forth and you can learn exactly what they are and then you can take steps to protect yourself from these pains. One of those things would be Qigong, which is you know pulling energy down through the body. There's mm -hmm. various you know hip circles and movement patterns that you can do to kind of keep the body loose. But it really comes back to your subconscious mind, your negative emotions. Mm -hmm. you have negative emotions trapped in your in, in, in your mind, you know, mm -hmm. negative. Mm -hmm negative scenes in your mind berating yourself for something you did years ago mm -hmm. uh, or, or fear of a future event you know people are always yeah. in like past or future 
Yeah. The, the, the goal is to become present and aware of what's going on now, living in the now. Mm -hmm. Probably one of the best yes. tutorials on living in the now was written by a fellow by the name of Eckhart Tolle. Yep. And uh, he wrote several books on this. It's basically Buddhism, uh, but he distills it in a very clear way that everyone can understand. So that you're mm -hmm. not always in the past thinking and berating yourself for past mistakes or ruminating on past failures or whatever. And, you know, some people are just always living in the future. You know, they're not living right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It brings I like a present awareness of what is going on right now. Yeah. yeah, I've learned a lot about that, the presence and the now and the metaphysical world through a lot of authors that you've recommended over time. And that's Eckhart Tolle, Louise Hay, Neville Goddard, Florence Scoble Shin, Thomas Choward, Esther all Excellent reads. And, you know, we don't have enough time in a podcast to get too deep into it, but people have to understand that uh, they're very much shaped by their thoughts. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. thoughts aren't always your own. Mm -hmm. you know, they do come from the collective and the collective is just everybody as a whole you know the tv is an example of the collective you get a lot of stuff implanted into your mind that really doesn't belong there yeah so absolutely bring in awareness to your you know you have a constant inner conversation going on you got to bring an inner awareness to this conversation what is it that you're telling yourself a lot of people aren't even aware of it there's so much in their head that they don't even realize. They're not even in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People are talking. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Steve, I want to be um, respectful of your time. So I just have one last question for you, and then I'd love to close with that pulling down exercise. Um, at the end of our last conversation, you talked about, we kind of talked about what happens when we die and about the cyclic, a reincarnation and we we're curious um from from your past year since we last talked do you still want to get out of this cycle of reincarnation absolutely the earth is the lowest level you know <laughs> where you know there's the lowest level of consciousness now there are some very highly spiritual adepts that uh have agreed to come back to earth to be teachers of us all you know, we know who a lot of them were. We know of Jesus Christ. We know, you know, Buddha. We, uh, you know, there, there's been many great spiritual enlightened teachers that have come back to kind of guide us on our journey here on planet Earth. But for the most part, you know, we, sh we should want to break free of this early er earthly cycle, this earthly body. P uh, mm -hmm. Souls come into the Earth for experience, to experience. Yeah. And once you get that experience, you want to go to a higher level. This is yeah. my book, you know. Some for sure, so. And it doesn't, yeah, go ahead. Since you'll be checking out of this cycle, what message do you want to leave for all those remaining in this reincarnation cycle with, with your wisdom away? What, what wisdom do you want to leave with us? Well, there, 
what you see isn't necessarily the real world. Don't be fooled by your vision and your eyes. <laughs> this flesh body and this, you know, it also seems real, but pretty much everything's just like an illusion. It really mm -hmm. truly is. And, you know, we, we create our own worlds through our thoughts and our emotions. You know, everything is created. So you have the ability also to create a better world for yourself. If you don't like where you're at, you can, through your thinking and through a higher mind, you can actually make a much better world for yourself here on earth. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that, Steve. Um, for people wanting to learn more about you, Steve, they could find you at stevemaxwellsc.com or on Instagram, maxwellsc, Twitter as well. Let's close with that pulling down exercise for a minute or two. We'd be really um, blessed and, and, and treated by that. All right, here, here's, uh, just stand up. Is it better okay. to do one? And imagine you're under a powerful waterfall and the water is pouring down over the top of your head and rushing down over your body, right? And then inhale through the lower lobes of the lung, into the ribs, into the upper chest. And then as you exhale, you literally pull energy through the top of your head through your body, out your fingertips, down your legs, and through your bottoms of your feet. So you're in a, imagine in a powerful waterfall pouring down over your head or a powerful shower. And you can feel that energy being pulled through your body. And a, a, a good breath cycle would be inhale, two, three, four, pause for a moment, and then Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. And then you repeat that cycle. And you can do this for long periods of time. I, I recommend no less than 10 minutes, but you know, you can do it up to an hour. Now you can do it seated while driving, but it's not as powerful as standing. You can also do it when laying in bed. For many people, it's, it's good to, practice first lying in bed. Imagine your feet are braced on a rock and a stream of water pouring down over your body. And imagine all negativity just being literally pulled out the bottoms of your feet. So that only you know goodness and love and healing is coming in through your body and all negativity, aches, pains, fear, doubt, all being pulled out through the bottom. Wow. It's very, very powerful. Beautiful. And you can do that intermittently all throughout the day. I will, I'll it. be doing that. I'm yeah. incorporating that into my routine. Well, it's yeah. been an honor. Thank you so much, Steve. I wish you a beautiful return to the beautiful Ikaria Island, Ikaria yeah. Island. Maybe a training camp. Oh, no doubt about it. Next year. Yeah, no doubt about it. I see myself and you meeting up at one of your seminars in the near future. Um, it won't be this July 23rd in Ikaria, but sometime soon, no doubt about it. To close every conversation, we bring our fist in in solidarity to the winner's circle. Boom. There we go. Thank you so much, Steve. 
wishing you a beautiful day and uh, may your spirit continue to shine and inspire and empower all those that you touch. Thanks a lot. I'll see you guys again soon. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.